Welcome to the AI Assisted Organization podcast with your host, myself, Piers Linney, my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Dr. Alok Shukla. Hi, Alok. Hi, Piers. How are you? All right. So it's, it's going to be like 30 degrees in London. I thought I'd avoided the heat. <laughs> uh, so just going to be, just been here working and we've we spent the whole week quite hard on um, client projects. Yeah, no, definitely. It's much cooler here in Lisbon, especially been raining. So yeah, good, good day to stay inside. I'm still planning to get out there. I don't know when they come on to that because we're going to start doing some uh, various events which might make it take a bit longer. So let's get on another crazy week in artificial intelligence. So we're going to go through, um, so ChatGPT Enterprise, that's the big news, which was announced just after we recorded last week's pod. But also now there's some news which is worth discussing in their context with that. Google Duet AI. Talk about large language models and the race amongst them. AI winter, is there going to be one? And copyright, there's been a bit of, a, we discussed this last week and there's been some developments in the UK. And also in AI is continually beating human domains. And we've got AI of the week, of course, at the end. But getting into it, the big news at the end of um, last week, literally, when we recorded the podcast, I kind of thought, do we add something to it or do we kind of wait a week and see, what's, um, see what comes out? A lot of discussion about this during the week, but it's ChatGPT Enterprise. So if you use ChatGPT, there's a free version, there's a plus version, like GPT Pro almost. And that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's got code interpreter, you've got plugins, pretty, very, very useful. But now they're launching an enterprise version. And this is this is quite a big announcement. And there are some companies that have been using it and testing it. But this is um so the, but the idea is this is for large organizations. We don't know quite what the pricing is going to be, but it seems to be it's going to be expensive. So this is not going to be designed for small companies. This is for large enterprises. Now, to give you an idea, in the UK, we're six million companies, and enterprises kind of defined as a company over 200, with over 250 employees, there's only about 7,500 of them. But I think this is going to be aimed at even, even larger companies. So time will tell pricing is going to look like and who that's going to work. Now, the features are pretty exciting. So unlimited access to GPT-4, faster access speed, so potentially double how fast it runs out today. That's kind of a big thing. Longer context windows, 32K tokens, um, advanced data analysis capabilities. And you may see now that they've changed the name of code interpreter advanced data analytics. And that's kind of really important to any company, any size, because your ability now to understand data, extract insights, something that, you know, if you're a data analyst in, in a large company, that's going to change your, your enterprise grade security. Um, so this is really important that they've got security at in transit, and security at rest as well in terms of encryption. That's really important to large companies. You have an, an admin um, function, an admin dashboard, where you can manage permissions. So it's going to have single sign-on and domain verification as well. And you've had companies like Block and Canva and PwC. So exciting stuff, not aimed at SMEs. And the big question here is, is again, as you look at this space, you know, you've got the, we'll talk about this a bit later, the infrastructure layer, and you've got the application layer. It's where and then who's using the application layer. And as we've discussed in, in, on many of our podcasts is that artificial intelligence potential, the, the benefits of it, can will eventually create an exponential change. And we talk about the ship leaving harbour. Alok talks about the train leaving the station. Once it happens, it's going to be very hard to catch up. And the question is, who's going to be on the ship? Is it going to be large enterprises? Is it going to be SMEs? And I always talk about this battle for the middle ground where large enterprises now can come after customers that never used to cost in cost to acquire, cost to manage, cost to serve. 
It didn't work. And smaller companies of AI, they can go after large opportunities because they have access to data analytics and insights and also essentially automated resource allows them to scale up. So you have this battle for the middle ground. And the question really is, is is the value going to accrue large enterprises or small businesses? It's going to be those that really use this technology first. And we'll talk about it after this, uh, Alok, again, is that Interestingly, again, OpenAI launching ChatGPT Enterprise, you know, not too soon before we expect to see Microsoft, Microsoft 365's Copilot, which is going to do some of this as well. Microsoft did a deal with Databricks for enterprises as well. So I put my finger on, you know, if you're looking at this as an enter- even a large enterprise, what do you do? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. So if we look at things step by step, so the kind of like, some people have mentioned pricing would be like several hundred thousand to millions, basically, you know, for, the, for this. So that's clearly for large enterprises. And the thing is that's happening is traditionally it was always the smaller companies that were more innovative than the larger companies. But now it seems that like the, the pace of AI adoption amongst the larger enterprises is much faster. You look at like, you know, Salesforce, AWS, you know, all these other companies that they're, they're really pushing through different AI initiatives. And you mentioned PwC as well. So the faster that the large companies start using and deploying these tools, they're going to discover rapid cost savings because they've got so many personnel, so many team members that were doing tasks that once upon a time would take three hours. Maybe now it takes an hour. So I think there's going to be like a big step change in AI usage with the large companies, which is also then going to increase the pace of adoption amongst the small and medium enterprises because they have to keep up because the whole reason why the smaller companies would potentially differentiate themselves is better customer service, more responsive um, you know, solutions and everything like this. So if large enterprises are already using these tools, I just think the pace of AI adoption is just going to accelerate and explode. But I think a couple of things that's happened from this is OpenAI releasing this GPT enterprise solution. It also means that like several companies that were trying to provide enterprise-like GPT solutions, they got blown out of the water because this new solution is addressing all those. And if we give it like a preview of things to come, you know, GPT, uh, OpenAI have talked about potentially like industry-specific models, you know, like legal, medical, and different things like this. So I think OpenAI are doing a very clever strategy. And I think that enterprises now have the green light to basically, even the most conservative enterprise has the green light to like start at AI adoption. And this accelerates the pace of change and pace of adoption. I mean, we've talked about it before, there's electricity, there's Wi-Fi, there's AI intelligence. And, you know, this is just going to accelerate the solutions we get, so we see coming into the world. Yeah, and you're right. And historically, the, the early adopters were the, the smaller companies, the techies, and the, the laggards, as we used to call it, so the Microsoft used to call it as well. So larger enterprises, you know, talked about it before, you know, cloud, blockchain, it's been a long time to sort of really understand those technologies. But it gets even more complicated than that. So let's just move on. So Google had an event called Google Cloud Next. This was um, last week. And they had a whole raft of announcements. These companies are clamoring to get anything out of the door, which is kind of AI in the name, able to support their share price in this very competitive space. So what you've now seen is so there's two aspects to it, really. There's lots of technical announcements, ones that relate to kind of business productivity. What's about Google Cloud? So they're now launching what they call Duet AI. And this is kind of like uh, similar to what Microsoft's going to be launching in terms of its co-pilot. So they've got in the cloud, Google Cloud, Duet AI, which is things like, you know, cybersecurity. But in productivity, this is in Google Workspace, and I, I use Google Workspace when I do. Um, they're launching Duet AI. So this is a co-pilot. So, for example, in Google Meet, so the Google Cloud is being extended preview. But in Google Workspace, this is now generally released, so it's available to everybody. 
So for example, in Google Meet, Meet Me or Meet, you have ability to have an, an auto cue. So as you're giving a presentation, it'll keep up with you at the pace you're speaking. If you go off track, it'll catch up with you. And that's really, really useful, especially if you want to look you know, down a camera as well. Uh, but also in things like meetings. So you can now, if you arrive late, you can catch up. You can ask what happened. Who said what? It'll tell you. You can have um, notes, um, transcripts, translation. I think there's like 300 different language pairs. So that's super powerful. You can then automatically take action points. Then you can have those uh, sort of populating your to-do list and, and other software applications. And that's really powerful. And now there's a lot of companies that we use as well, SaaS companies, and this is the danger of this layer of SaaS above these large language models, that they do that. So between ChatGPT Enterprise, you're now seeing Google de- deploy and launch Duet AI in its productivity suite. Microsoft Copilot's coming. You don't quite know where I'm expected this year. You're seeing that productivity is going to be boosted massively inside organizations. But again, we need to sort of work with clients on is what horse do you back? Because, you know, can you integrate the OpenAI Enterprise solution with Microsoft 365? They're kind of partners, but also competing. So you've got to be very careful about picking the winner too early. No, I agree. And I think like the intra-application AI solutions are being deployed by the big companies. So they're all looking to how they can pr- produce and provide AI solutions within their own existing applications. So that, like you said, with Google Meet, Google Docs, Google Slides, all these things. So the SaaS companies that were providing AI presentations or potentially providing you know, AI copywriting, they're in a tricky place now when, when you've got these things as default within these productivity suites. But I think the thing to think about here is that like within those applications, you know, like the for say like Google Slides, Google Sheets, you know, Google Docs, or within PowerPoint, Word, and Excel, you'll have potentially AI which can link within those. But we all work with different solutions, not just wholly one systems, one organization's um, productivity items. So I think the companies also need to make sure that they have their own data repository, which they can then build on and grow from, because ultimately you want everything talking to each other. So it's not a question of having everything in one place, but ultimately you are going to have to pick a bit like right now, right? You've already got companies that will, you know, they go the Outlook way, other ones go the Gmail way, you know? So it's it's no different, really. It's just, it's like Apple and Android, basically, isn't it? People do choose. But I think the key thing is you also want to have your own data layer where you can then allow that flexibility and you can use different models where you want to. But for sure, the winner are the, the businesses and the consumers because they get access to all the tools because these companies are competing fiercely to try and get that data inflow from the businesses and the, and the, and the customers, basically, because they're, they're, it's, it's a winner-takes-all is the way they, they see it. I mean, the, the key is to adopt it and embrace it. Don't sit on your hands. And whether it's Google Enterprise, if you can yeah. afford it, or Microsoft 365 or Google Duet, is to understand what the capabilities are and use it. Now, we'll, we'll come on to it. We're writing a sort of a, a white paper on AI agents versus human resources. These are essentially AI agents, co-pilots. The thing you have to make sure is that your organization, your workforce, understand how to use this stuff. There's, there's no point in you know, giving someone a Formula One car if you're not able to drive it. So that's going to be, that's going to be quite interesting, seeing how people actually pick yeah. it up. Now, at the same time, just like everybody else, Google's announced a partnership with um, moving on with NVIDIA. So we saw Hugging Face have done this. And NVIDIA, you know, they're, they're over everything. And we'll talk about Tesla later as well. So Google Cloud now, this is one of the announcements, they're now making um, their A3 instance has been using um, NVIDIA GPUs. So again, a bit like Hugging Face, you can now 
create applications, train models, fine tune them. And the question then is, where do you deploy them? Because you need supercomputer infrastructure, compute infrastructure to make this stuff work at scale. So now all these players are now partnering with NVIDIA initially at least to provide that platform for you to deploy your applications. That's really quite exciting. Um, and we'll talk about, I guess, Tesla later, about their um, GPUs, <laughs> their GPU purchases as well. So Google have been going at it really quite hard. And I think that with every single um, one of these large tech company events, you're going to see an, an, an array of announcements of artificial intelligence. If you think about where we were at the beginning of this year to now, I mean, let's not talk about anything else. Let's, let's have announcements, apart from Apple, they've kind of um, held back, but that won't last for long. Unless they've got an announcement with AI in it somewhere, then it doesn't seem to be um, of interest to anybody. Yeah, I think this key, I mean, it literally is the major platform shift, right? You know, before people were talking about the VR, AR, or Octo, but now everything is AI. And also, like, it's been supported with the productivity increases and that are reported and the, and the, the real you know, the, the real life benefits and of, of time savings with every single task so i mean nvidia is best friends with everyone's now and you know that the i think it's literally powering this next shift but what's well, the, the danger is it, is it can be super confusing so you know we we talk to clients about you know just the kind of you know, just a policy framework to put in place for you let any of this stuff loose in your organization and then okay do yeah. i implement you know 15 different SaaS applications i've now got they've all got dot ai in, in their domain or do I build one myself? And I think you made a great, which is the, the key to all this is going to be, where is your data? How is it stored? In what format is it stored? And how can you access it? Because that's going to be the key to this. So it's becoming increasingly confusing for lots of organizations to work out, well, how do I actually engage with artificial intelligence without going down some cul-de-sac? That's a very good point. Like The, the thing is, you want to compound on your data insights over time. You want, as you use the systems, the systems become smarter, and then for you to gain more from them as they happen. So, you know, some SaaS is obviously useful, but at the same time also, you want to have wherever you can that compounding intelligence within your own system. So that's where having your, everyone's going to have their own, you know, like intelligent access point for, for their own data. And at the same time, it's like picking out the key workflows and then you do it in stages, isn't it, right? You think, okay, here we're going to use SaaS to kind of upskill these team members, cut the time per project for this, but here we need a more fundamental approach. So we're going to create our own workflows and things which which do these you know core operational systems where we want them to be done. And then it means that we can also apply unfair advantages and do um, other things which are like more um, unique because that's the other thing, right? If everybody's got the same stuff, where is your advantage, basically, right? You know, so the, the theme, thing is here, you want to like not be limited by features or just what everyone else is doing. It's like suddenly like, you know, some people have access to PowerPoint, other people don't. For a while, slides look good, but once everyone's got access to AI PowerPoint, what's the advantage? So then it's, it's always thinking about what's next, really. So I think the key thing is, is like, think about your roadmap, your strategy, your framework, what is going to be mission critical, where can you see a competitive advantage? And this is why AI strategy is really, really important, because if you start allocating resources down a cul-de-sac, you're going to lose time and money. Yeah, you, you can acquire an enormous and potentially fatal amount of technical debt with this technology quite quickly. And you made a very good point there, is that when everyone's got, when you've got these sort of these scale platforms, be it Google Duet or Copilot or Microsoft Copilot, and everybody's got them, and, you, and you're only using that, your advantage really is only going to be how well trained is your workforce and actually use this technology to extract the best from it. Because how you use it, how you prompt, for example, how they understand how this stuff all fits together 
how the technology works, how it almost thinks. That's the only differentiator you've actually got. And then as you go forwards, you've then got to find ways of automating workflows and business processes specific to your business and the way you want to do things and the way in which you want to differentiate. No, exactly. Um, so we can talk about that literally for an hour just doing that. Let's move on. So, of course, Meta are still uh, making noise in the fray, They're still open sourcing. What's quite interesting as well, we talked about, you know, um, Amazon Bedrock and Google have announced a browser-based um, coding co-pilot and they've launched Meta Code Llama. So again, this is like, you know, you've seen Google MedPart, another specialist model for one particular purpose. And this one is for writing code. Now, this is free. It's open source. Apparently, you could be able to run this on uh, on basically a laptop, which is uh, quite interesting as well. It's not even, it doesn't need to be connected to the internet. And apparently, it's beat, everyone says this, it depends how you measure it. Um, it's beat GPT-4 in various coding tasks. I'm sure it depends on what those coding tasks are. And Meta is, again, chasing open eye with its specialist models, trying to get ahead, actually. And they're apparently launching Llama 3, which is their kind of generic, more, more generic large language model quite soon. And again, the potential is that that's going to be more powerful than GPT-4, but then you might have GPT-5. So it's kind of, and, and I wonder a lot that as these models, where is the, where is that incremental capability? How is that created? Because you're running out of data, they've absorbed the internet. You, you know, you're all buying the same GPUs from NVIDIA now. And the question now is going to be, is the value added going to be in specialization? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, if you think about it, like Meta spending, you know, how much money to create these models, which they're releasing free and open source for everyone, you know, it's, it's incredible to like be on the receiving end of these types of technologies. Ultimately, it comes down to like data quality, the way it's trained, and then also like their human the loop um, reinforcement. So you know, they've got different techniques and then different ways of different data sets they've also got access to. Meta's got its own data sets in different ways. And, and then, you know, like other ones have different ones, which are like open source. But I think as, as compute increases and as utilization of these models increase and as they get specialized, I think the whole reason with open source is that they know that like fine tuning on specialist cases is going to make it much better than other ones. Um, and giving people that like a a coding one, which is already there. I mean, I've seen like people talking about like how 50% of their coding is now done with this, like, you know, all annotation, completions, and diff debugging, different things like this. And like you said, they're going to be running locally on different devices. I saw this really interesting tweet where they said, like, I use this remarkable tablet, like, I've never seen them, like, where you can like write on it, like, um, digitally. And someone was saying that they want to have that with GPT built into it. How cool would that be that you can write and talk with it you know, on the device in, in, in that way? So I think we're going to see some very interesting things enabled by these open source, smaller files and systems, which will be, you know, integrated into smaller devices next year. And that's going to be really quite profound if you imagine that you can literally have a conversation two-way in, in, in a very well, interesting way. I think it was Emad from um, the, one of the co-founders of Stability AI. He was saying that, he thinks by he said the end of this year, next year, you're gonna you're gonna you're yeah, gonna have these large language phone. models on a mobile phone, and that's gonna be a game changer as well. But one of the things going back to the, the previous um, points about Microsoft and, and Google and, and and Meta as well is when you're trying to pick these winners, it, it's you know OpenAI now is you know it's the new kid on the block. It's gonna probably the first. It's gonna be a trillion dollar business if it keeps going the way it is. It's already yeah, it's a, it's a billion, billion, billion yeah, already. Billion, I think. Um, 
dollars of ARR. And that's before they've really launched um, ChatGPT Enterprise. And the question is, if you're my age, is, are they going to be Betamax? Are they going to be Betamax versus VHS video? Or more recently, are they going to be Slack? So Slack versus uh, Microsoft, which you know, Slack had a three-year start on Microsoft, but Microsoft team forced it into a sale to, to Salesforce. So the question is, is, I think you've got to, again, is embrace technology, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, and Microsoft's own fifty percent of of OpenAI, isn't it? Right, like I mean, I think they're going to buy it at some point. It just makes absolute sense, doesn't it? But I mean, like the the range of tools and the power that's available is insane, and it's just a question of adopting and using it now. Basically, all these new announcements that keep coming out, people are still not using the technology and the power that's already there. Basically, you know. So yeah, I've read, I've read a report that in I think in the US, less than twenty five percent of people have used Chat GPT. It just shows you that, and also people talk about chat GPT yeah. usage has gone down. That's because that initial, all the noise on the new people are trying and testing it and just, you know, trying to learn something from it. Actual business application is quite different. No, I, we were engaging with a company recently. This was in a different business and they were like, we were training them on something and we were saying like, do you use GPT? And they were like, no, we don't use that for these things. And like, you think about it, like, how are you not using these things right now? You know, like, uh, and you're, taking longer and, it, and it's less accurate just implementation often it's the unknown isn't it you don't know how to use it so that's the first thing is learn what yeah, it can do true. well how it works understanding helps you to use it and then learn how to use it at least that's the base case right moving on so i mean this is not really about business but it just shows you importance of scale so Elon Musk and Tesla, they've announced a, a $300 million supercomputer powered by, this is why NVIDIA share price is what it is, 10,000 NVIDIA GPUs. And the point here again, a bit like the, all the partnerships <laughs> hugging face and um, Google Cloud with NVIDIA, is that unless you've got this supercomputer infrastructure, then this stuff doesn't really work. Um, so it just shows that the cost of running this. So you as a small business are now increasingly, and, and, and the cost of this is going to come crashing down over the next, you know, five, 10 years. But you as a smallest business now can access the same kind of compute yeah. power as Tesla through various um, platforms. And Elon Musk was showing the um, demo of um, this sort of a, a, autonomous driving, which did quite well. It nearly ran a red light. But the point there was, was that when he nearly ran the red light, the computer, the supercomputer's learning all the time. There's a feedback loop. He's also now changed Twitter to X, X's, sorry, in terms of, of uh, conditions so that you can use your X's to train on large language models. But the point is, is that, again, you driving uh, your car are accessing this technology. And that's the beauty of this, is that whether it's infrastructure, applications you buy, you know, SaaS or applications you create yourself, that sort of power in this technology is immense. That's the thing, right? When you think about, like, the size of the compute infrastructure that they've got. And you think about all of the nodes on the network, like all the cars that, that, that are Tesla. And every time somebody grabs the steering wheel or puts their foot on the brake, it means that the system wasn't performing as required. So the, the AI can learn from all those exceptions where the autopilot, let's call it, failed. Um, so then that whole system gets smarter, smarter, smarter over time. And you think about other car manufacturers, they have like discrete, software systems for all the different components within the car they don't have one system basically right so you know 
Elon Musk and Tesla have like a, a compounding data advantage. And this is what we talked about before, like having all of your data in a place and all your learnings in one place where you can like compound and learn on it. That's where you want to kind of get to. Even in a smaller way, you can do that as a smaller company. As long as you've got access to all your things and it's not locked up in lots of different separate SaaS softwares, which, do, which don't talk totally. to Totally. And that's the point we should extract from this, isn't it? Is that no matter how big your business is, you can extract the data and you've got the ability, you know, using what's called code interpreter now, advanced data analyst, analytics from uh, chat GPT or whatever you want to use, you can extract insights you were never even dreamed of before to improve your, your service or whatever it is you do for your customers in ways you've never been able to. So this is an absolute game changer. Now, move, let's move on though. So Tesla, you know, is uh, the big company. Now we're back down to implement AI. So we are now... We were going to write a white paper on um, data and how you should store the data. We're also writing one now following an article we wrote last week on K on Elite Business's website technology section on AI agents versus human resource. Now, we talked about this in the last week's pod, but it's something where there's been a lot more research come out about it. And it's about transitioning between your, your human workforce and your AI-assisted workforce using AI agents. And whether that's using, you know, models, free models, open source models, SaaS, or building your own services, doesn't matter. But that is, that is what's going to change your business and help you become AI assisted because your people are essentially your business. And how this work, how work is done, how things get done, increasing your productivity, lowering your costs, uh, increasing your revenue is what the white paper is going to be about. A link to that a lot. We're also doing, it looks like 18th of September, an AI agent lab. Yeah. So we're going to demonstrate, aren't we, about how you can automate using these large language models, your specific workflows, not one some SaaS company trying to sell you. Exactly. And I think this is the whole point of like augment your, your augmented workforce, this combination of, you know, AI agents doing specific tasks and your team members, which are AI assisted, people to be much more productive than before. So yeah, looking forward to that webinar and also like helping more people understand, you know, the, the concrete applications and, and, and the workflows that can link be done. Link to that. Way. If you're in Manchester, 18th of October, um, sign up. We look at our social media or LinkedIn, you'll see the Eventbrite invite for that. We've got a, doing an event with Manchester Growth Hub and Technorf Associates. This is they only got about 120 people in the room. It's kind of selling out fast. So if you're in the Northwest or you want to travel to the Northwest, uh, please do join. That's going to be a fantastic event. You're also off to Dublin on the 29th of September still. Yep, that's that's right. And also like um, even on the 13th of September, be doing an event in London as well. So yeah, like lots going on all over the place. And, and so let's it. move on. So one of the um, if if you've ever been involved in crypto, which I sort of touched upon, you probably heard of the crypto kind of in now and a lot of talk about is there going to be an ai winter so from the beginning of 2023 you've seen a huge amount of noise you, know, you can't turn on the news without something some news about ai or robots you know taking over uh, and then you look at the tech companies all they talk about now is ai every release they can every announcement is about ai and the question is is this a sort of a, a boom before a, a bust? i don't mean like a, a financial boss but just a, a slowdown in the news flow and one of the things we may see is that you know the development studies and people said this large language models, it's a bit of a plateau before there's a, a real uh, te technological change. But there's no sign of it. There's no sign of an AI winter at all. I think this is because the, the use cases, the benefits, the return on investment is enormous. Yeah, so you're seeing, well, we talked about it every week, continued investment in AI, huge seed rounds from anybody that leaves one of these large AI companies. They can start a business and raise a couple hundred million. We mentioned earlier, OpenAI is now at an ARR of a billion dollars. That's before they've even really launched ChatGPT Enterprise. So 
that isn't happening. This is not blockchain. I say it, say it a lot. This is not cloud where you can take 10 years. It's not blockchain where what's the use case? It was more about making like money, to be honest with you. This absolutely is changing the world. It, it's like it's bigger than the impact of the internet. It's like literally like it's literally like that, you know, like going from non-internet to internet and the same way going from no AI to AI. And like and and the the compounding effect of you know, like these AI coding assistants and medical AI, and then, you know, like um, all these other one device AI and, and all these different systems, it's just going to just compound and compound. And then they just talk to each other and it just becomes more interesting because, I mean, I think within six months, we're going to start seeing some very, very interesting and innovative approaches from companies where they've been, where they're implementing now, and they're going to start releasing some quite profound shifts that's going to like challenge our, our, our concepts of like, what's actually possible right now it's just going to get yeah so don't bigger. sit in your hands thinking that there's going to be an AI winter and you can then you know just check out for your watch what's going on and then jump back into the, the game because i think that's a bad plan well let's move on i mean i mean yeah exactly i mean just to kind of touch on it as well like we've not we've seen like obviously like tiktok but we're, we're going to start seeing other let's call it like ai equivalents like for example imagine a fully ai generated tiktok which was just everything that people want to see like China, Russia, all these other countries, there's going to be some very interesting applications that are going to come about. So, Can't forget anything you know, worse than AI. It's going to evolve rapidly. Augmented TikTok. That is going to be the end of, that is going to be the, end of the world. Correct. <laughs> now, quick, quick one. We mentioned last uh, in the last pod about some case law in the US about copyright. And someone generated some completely AI generated, no human involvement whatsoever, work. And the, the ruling was, which may change, it goes up through the appellant courts that um that can't be copyrighted now the uk was kind of was going down the road where kind of output could be copyrighted but the uk's culture media and sport committee have urged the government to abandon plans for that copyright exemption so i'm not sure where this is i am sure where this is going to go and i'm not sure that you know they're going to be able to stop ai generated content from being copyrighted the question is going to be is what is pure AI generated and what has human input? And then where do you cross the line? If you prompt an AI, have you created that artwork? If you prompt an AI, it generates some artwork and then you keep tweaking it, can you copyright that? And one of the big questions has been is to protect creators, which is you know, a fair, fair point, is that these models are trained on all this artwork. But it's like, you know, if you go to an art gallery and, and take it all in, kind of train your brain, you've yeah, absorbed yeah. it. When you go away and create some art, it's the same process, really. So I think that in, in the interest of technology and, and progress, eventually they'll find um, a happy sort of a medium for this. And one of the big ones is what they call music laundering, is that do you, if you hear music, you recreate something similar, have you breached the copyright? And I just don't see, in the interest of progress, this being where we end up. I think you're going to be able to, as long as there's some you know, a reasonable amount of human input, however you measure that, you'll be able to copyright these works. And interestingly, Adobe have actually underwritten Adobe Firefly. Any if you're sued and you lose a copyright using Adobe software, they've underwritten your um, the loss. I mean, if you just think about where we are technologically, like any video of let's say there was like a, a special jug within a video you can actually extract the 3d sdl file from that video using other ai software or if you're looking at like other systems you've got like the ability to you know like take any kind of like audio any kind of sound or anything like this and then what that then does is it's able to regenerate a new song within within that style as well so i think like the old style of intellectual property 
is going to be like it's not going to be fit for purpose really isn't it like uh, because in this rapidly evolving situation where you can literally create anything in the style of anything it, it's going to lead to much much faster much more rapid creation yeah, but it's also if you've got a model that's trained on almost every image on the internet right who's going to sue you it's like it's, it's got to be and even if it looks like um your artwork again again it's it isn't your artwork is it it's uh Someone's been no. an AI or the human or both working together has been inspired by it. So I think that it's going to be, this is going to go around in circles for a while, but I'm not too worried about it. I think it'll be a, a happy medium. Um, and, and, and law generally, there are exceptions for you know, technological advancement and progress in society where they'll find a way through that. And the, before we get on to AI of the week, another interesting bit of news was that, and this is, again, not really business, but it, it just shows you where this is going, is that there's been these, these high-speed drone races, and if you see them, um, yeah, I fly I, drones. I don't do FPV. I've got time to learn how to fly them. But I do fly my drone. And these FPV drones, one where they have the goggles on, and it's a yeah. base, um, they were basically, the world champions were, and this was, uh, I think it was, software written by some Swiss researchers. They're not really drone racers. And they basically created, they had the, basically imagine like a, a racetrack with a 3D version of the real world. And they fly through sort of loops and holes and over things. And they basically create a 3D model of that. And they trained in a couple of hours their drone to fly around this course, which is equivalent, I think it was um, about, a, about a month for a year's flying, something ridiculous. And then they beat the world champions. So again, you're seeing a bit like, you know, DeepMind and Go and IBM, Watson and Chess, you're seeing AIs beat humans in a growing number of domains. And now you're seeing it in the physical kind of racing. I mean, if you think about it, it's literally just data processing and control, isn't it? So obviously the, the capabilities... I mean, it's no and surprise, the cap- <laughs> really. It's no, it's, no, it's no surprise. I mean, I, when I moved to Portugal in 2017, like I was I was actually thinking of getting an FPV drone. Like It looked so cool. And I was watching the drone racing league. Any t- anyone who likes technology has thought about getting an FPV drone. <laughs> it's a question of learning to fly it. <laughs> And, and having the license that you can legally use it and stuff like that. Like, uh, so, yeah, no, I think the question is, is like, where is AI not exceeding human capability? Because in any specialized field, we, we've seen it exceed it, you know, and as like a raw IQ test, um, AI is able to like, you know, surpass most humans as well. So the question is not like, can it? The question is like, how, how much are we going to kind of start delegating as quickly as possible? What, what really? we forget though, not, not to forget, sorry, is that a human can race one an ai could probably race yeah. 10 or 20 or 100 at once i saw this amazing kind of firework display which was in china but but it's, it wasn't it was a load of drones yeah I've it seen was in that, this yeah. shape yeah it was a shape of like a giant dragon and stuff i mean it's incredible isn't it right you know like the precision and the coordination and it's like nothing for the for the system right to do we'll that. move on from drones ai of the week now we could probably probably show this actually is that it's, I, I pronounce it ideogram, but they say it's ideogram. So ideogram.ai. And if you use mid-journey or stable diffusion, you've probably found that they're absolutely rubbish at creating text. So if you're trying to have an image with text built into it, rather than have to then superimpose it yourself later, it can be quite frustrating. And an ideogram has now launched, and go and have a play with it um, and just look at all the prompts on, uh, people have tried on the screen. You can see them there. So you can create an image. Um, and you can actually ask it to embed text. You can't probably quite say your font or the way you want it, your logo, or your your particular brand, but you can absolutely now create images with text in it. 
So the, again, this is on the web. This is why Midjourney needs to get itself out of Discord and put Sharpish because, and again, you know, everyone talks about Midjourney, Stable Diffusion. <laughs> this thing's just popped up from nowhere. It's raised quite a lot of money. Uh, and it is, it is pretty powerful. It is pretty good. So go and have a, a play with Ideogram because it, it is probably as good as Midjourney. It's fast as well. Generates these things very, very quickly. Now, sometimes the text is still gobbledygook, so you have to play with it. Well, have a go. But you could put it to another system easily and then just have it, have it tucked Yeah, and I'm up. sure I think, like, they'll probably invent, they'll probably launch in-painting as well, like Midjourney, where you can go, I don't course. quite like it, and, and amend it. So that's pretty, um, pretty powerful stuff. And that's it, really. We'll leave it there. So, again, haven't signed up for our AI Insider newsletter. Please do so. As it comes out every week. You read our white papers, the AI Assisted Organization Blueprint, Case for Fractional Chief AI Officers. I'm writing one now on AI agents. And if you enjoy the pod, please, and if you want to look at Ideogram, we'll, we'll probably overlay some recording of that and we're using it. Have a look on YouTube sometimes. It's probably the best place to be. And please follow and subscribe us on YouTube. And please rate the show as well. That really helps us on Apple or whatever platform you use. So once again, this is the AI Assisted Organization podcast. Myself, Piers Linney. Alex Shukla, thanks for listening or watching, and we'll see you again next week. See you, Piers.